Carriages and sedan chairs passed along Clargus Street. In the late afternoon shadows of fine old homes gone shabby, vendors selling homemade pies, hot roasted potatoes and roasted chestnuts piped out their songs of sale. Miles Randolph had requested that Nan meet him at 31 Clargus Street. Mercury's winged feet could not have arrived at that destination any faster. She was curious about the place he had picked for their tryst. Alighting from the hackney, she stared up at the modest two-story building, one of the many residences elbowing for space on the street. Although a certain air of neglect pervaded the facades, one could discern tracings of former stateliness in the solid construction. Then she saw Miles descend from a splendid barouche coach drawn by six horses. His back was as straight as a guardsman's. A carnation was stuck in the buttonhole of his lapel, yet his cravat had been indolently knotted. She watched him withdraw his gold watch and check the time. Then, as he tucked it back into his waistcoat, he caught sight of her and smiled. I wondered if you had second thoughts about the propriety of my proposal. In her flat heels, she was much shorter than he, although he was only of medium height. I am not influenced by propriety or the opinions of others, Mr. Randolph. I had hoped you would take mine into consideration. Lightly, he grasped her elbow to guide her toward the house behind him. At his touch, her blood sang out. Human touch for the last ten years since her mother's death was foreign to her. Human touch was something she didn't know she had missed. No needed, desperately needed, until this moment. And your opinion is? She asked, the four words costing all her breath. My opinion is that you are one of the very few females I have met who have not bored me to distraction. Her gaze flew to his face. She could scarcely believe that. At last, here was a man who appreciated her talents. In those dark marine blue eyes, she found no mockery. She was at a loss for a reply. Words that her lips were beginning to frame rang trite in her mind, and she swallowed them back. Miles withdrew the key to the house, inserted it in the lock, opened the door, and stood aside for her to enter. Inside, the furniture was draped in dust covers. His expression solicitous, he detained her with a hand on her elbow. There will be talk. That he should be concerned thrilled her. The wagging tongues of neighbors would not bother me. My father, however, presents a problem. He's a rector. Ah, and you depend upon him? With a grimace, she said. My income as a playwright is valued in monetary terms of crowns, not guineas. So I must keep house for him if I expect to have shelter from the storms. Miles cocked his head. There may be something we can do about that. The remark puzzled her, but then he took her hand and gently tugged away the glove to press her palm against his lips. Your pulse thuds in your wrist. I frighten you? You startled me, that's all. Her voice was calm, her manner poised, but surely he could hear her heart galloping. Surely he could see the fires of pure passion blazing in her eyes. He grinned, and the hollows beneath cheekbones that were precipitous ridges softened. From what I am told, you are fearless. You would have had to be to tackle Pitt 
for trebling the taxes on windows, carriages, and servants, or your battle against the Lord Mayor. I fight not with sword, but with pin for a revolutionary social and political issue, the reform of Nougat's inhuman treatment of its prisoners. Isn't that what you wrote in the pamphlet, An Inquiry into Reform? She was amazed. The article was an inconsequential piece, dashed off several years before, in a moment of anger, with limited distribution by the London Letters Club. I am flattered you are aware of my works. She replied lamely. She wondered what had happened to her gift of eloquence. He took hold of her shoulders and turned her toward him. His voice was husky. Let your heart and body be as courageous as your mind, Nan.